Hey everyone, this is Chad and welcome back to Mission Daily. We are excited to announce and present to you our new podcast, The Journey. So on Tuesday through Friday of this week, get ready for episodes of The Journey. What is The Journey, you ask? The Journey is our new podcast where we tell how successful entrepreneurs built their businesses. We do that through a mix of interview and narration, and there are lessons learned that are applicable to your life today. So whether you have a business or you want to join a small business or a technology business, or you want to become a writer, or maybe you want to become a technology executive, the list goes on. These are the principles of how these entrepreneurs did it. And they're not presented directly to you. They're presented through story and narration. So you can apply those principles and maybe you'll recognize some similarities in your own life. And we are really excited about this podcast. The early feedback has been incredible. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the journey. I'm Chad Grills, founder and CEO of mission.org, your number one source for accelerated learning. Building a successful, profitable, and growing business is not easy. Trust me, I know. And one of the key things that has helped me through the ups and downs is learning from the best entrepreneurs in the world. So now it's time for me to pay it forward to you and share the lessons and insight from these amazing entrepreneurs that have helped me find success in business. Welcome to the journey. Hey everyone, this is Stephanie from The Mission. The Journey is sponsored by our friends at Salesforce Essentials. We use Salesforce Essentials every day and it's part of our own business journey. Essentials combines sales and service tools in a single app to help small businesses win customers and keep them happy. See how Salesforce Essentials can help you be your best business at salesforce.com slash essentials. It's a truism that success requires sacrifice. As entrepreneurs and business owners, we know this, but knowing it and living it are two different things. We barely had time to sleep. We were like, you know, sleeping in shifts. And like when you're doing like strategic (laughs) sleeping where you're like, you can be asleep for these two hours, but not those two hours. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's rough. That's Marissa Meyer. She was an early employee at Google and eventually became the CEO of Yahoo. You might think you know her journey and you might think it's exceptional. And you're right but exceptional doesn't mean easy. In fact, when her first big opportunity came calling, she wasn't interested. She'd just been hired as a professor, and she was hesitant to take a leap into the unknown. When I came back from Switzerland, I was hired to lecture for the first time. I had been a prolific teaching assistant at Stanford for the introductory programming courses, but I had never taught. So I was lecturing for the first time. Came back, talked to my mentor, Eric Roberts, about it and said, you know, look, I just got back in the country. I'm really excited to teach for the first time. He said, tell me about your research this summer. I told him about the project and he said, oh, wow. He's like, there's these two guys on the fourth floor of Gates <laughs> Building. They're doing what you're doing, except they're not looking at where people go on the web. They're looking at where they could go on the web in terms uh-huh. of the link structure. And they're doing very similar computations. He's like, and they just dropped out to do a startup. And I can't remember <laughs> what it's called. <laughs> that was right at the time and, where they're transitioning from Backrub to Google? or Yeah. And I just said... You know, and I I give Eric a hard time that he couldn't remember the name Google. But I just said, you know, Eric, I just got back in the country. I'm teaching for the first time. I've got a very full plate. Like I can't mess around with a startup now, which is was actually fortuitous because I think if I had reached out in September of 1998 when we were having that conversation, it would have been way 
way too early for Google. They were just right. getting started and established with the company. Bit chaotic, um, maybe. And <laughs> I'm probably not ready to hire you sure. know, a new grad or, or take someone on who could only work part-time, et cetera. Eventually, Marissa listened to her mentor and decided to take a risk on the little-known startup. She became Google's 20th employee, and it wasn't long before the company started to grow. I was in Zurich because I went back to see some of my friends that I had done research with the previous year. And when I was there, I went into a cyber cafe and I saw someone using Google. And at first, you know, you walk yeah. past and it's almost like seeing someone with your university logo and sweatshirt. Like when you're at the, that university, right. you see it all the time. And then you're like, wait, but like, we're not there. Like, what is it doing here? Yes. But I was so used to seeing the Google homepage and the Google results page at first. I was like, uh, and then I was like, wait. I'm in Switzerland. Like this, this, this person's using working. this little project that we're working on like yeah. half a world away. That's when I realized really how quickly a product that worked really well could scale yeah. and how quickly and how fast its reach could grow. Every stage of growth in business brings its own set of difficulties. And Marissa knew that if the business was going to survive, she would have to make sacrifices. During her first five years building Google, she pulled many all-nighters. Time and resources were scarce. And she was often forced to make quick decisions and trust her instincts. We were like, okay, we're going to launch the Yahoo partnership and what we called the Giga Index, the billion page index on the same day with two press releases on the wire. And it basically meant that we all were there and we didn't leave the office for about four days Wow! leading up to it. And the morning of the launch, it was back in the day when you actually loaded up press releases on the wire. Sure. And so the PR team had loaded up the two press releases the night before. They were going out at six in the morning that Google had a billion page index and that Google had won the Yahoo partnership. And at about 4 a.m., we realized we had two data data centers, one West Coast, one East Coast. And we had everything prepared on the West Coast. But then we needed to be able to serve Yahoo's traffic out of our East Coast data center, which meant we needed to do a cash fill to make our search snappy. But we'd fill the cash by doing basically a load test and hitting it with a lot of queries from the West Coast. Or we needed to be able to serve our new big index out of the East Coast. And the problem is that both of them were going to use our cross-country bandwidth. So we actually had to make a choice. Like right. Basically, we could either fill the cash and meet our obligations to Yahoo and, and sort of hopefully fulfill our promise in terms of having really fast search. Or we could have the billion page index there and the 6 a.m. press releases presumed that both would be true and there wasn't enough time and enough bandwidth available on that link to do it. I was so tired. We had moved into this office that weirdly had a women's sauna in one of the women's locker rooms. And since I hadn't slept in so long, I thought, okay, maybe if I just go and relax in the sauna for 10 minutes, <laughs> even though that's not really sleep, I'll feel like I've slept sure. and be a little bit you know, more yeah. revived for this long day ahead. So I remember I, I, I went in, I set like a 10 minute timer to be in the sauna and about seven minutes in, someone came and got me and they said like, look, we've discovered this problem. Like we can't do both cash fill and the index transfer. Like there's just not enough capacity. We've got to get founder input on this. Right. And Larry had gone home to be ready for press interviews and everything that was undoubtedly going to come the next morning. Sergey was there overseeing the development and the execution of all this the night before. He had gone to sleep under his desk. It's <laughs> so like I had to go and like wake Sergey up at four in the morning. I was like, okay, yeah, like which one? Because we can't make them both true. <laughs> you know, I remember that was like a really intense moment where it was, it was ambitious. And by about noon, we had gotten every, we had gotten both of them done. Sure. But as we went live at six in the morning, we had the cash fell 
completed. So our search stayed fast, but we copied the billion page index over over the next you know four to six hours. It wasn't long before those sacrifices were recognized. She was promoted, and now she was leading a multi-thousand person team for Google's geo business unit. Instead of relying on others, she was now the one making the tough choices. And that's when opportunity knocked once more. Yahoo offered her the role of CEO. Again, she was hesitant. She had worked for 10 years to get where she was at at Google, and Yahoo was in the midst of some turbulent times. In the prior six months, the company had gone through a mass exodus with nearly 25% of the team abandoning ship. When Marissa decided this was a risk worth taking, she became Yahoo's seventh CEO in five years, and she found herself leading a team that was desperate for leadership. I'm a shy person, but I would make a point of going down to the cafeteria every day and just sitting down at a table and just talking to anyone who would talk to me. <laughs> I was in the cafeteria and I had my tray and I was walking around and like someone came over and like tapped the tray and said like, is it go time? <laughs> and I was so used to people leaving. And I thought the person was saying like, I'm leaving, like, you know, and I was like, I was like, oh, please don't leave. And he's like, I'm not talking about leaving. <laughs> he was like, look, there's a bunch of us that have been sitting here for years waiting for the board and management to like sort itself out. Right. And we all have our ideas about what Yahoo should be and what we should do and what would make us great again. And he's like, is it go time? He's like, can we just run and do what we think needs to be done in order to fix this company? And I was like, yes, by all means, like go, go time. <laughs> like, it was go time indeed. And just as she had listened to her mentors when joining Google, Marissa listened to her new employees. She stressed the importance of transparency and speaking up. It resonated. I made a real point to, at each of the meetings, my probably the first six months of meetings, at the end of every meeting, doing around the room. And it was brisk, but you know, basically making sure that even somebody who'd been sitting there the whole time, right. not saying something, trying to understand, like, were they doubters? Were they, did they agree with everything that had been said? And so making sure that you really sweep the room was something that was was really important. But also, I think it's the David Kelly book, The Art of Innovation. He talks about in companies, there's information brokers and there's information fountains. And there's some people who are like, they get an idea or they hear about something and they kind of keep it to themselves and decide who they're going to tell, tell you know, about this idea or sure. about this work. And then there's other people who just like, just spew their ideas, other people's ideas, you know, just talk, talk about them all the time because they don't care who picks up the idea and runs with it, right? They right. care more about it becoming a reality. And I tried to set a culture where at Yahoo, people understood that information fountains were going to be rewarded a lot more. And that kind of over-communication that happens would be rewarded a lot more than information brokers. And this notion of just like, well, I've got this report. I've got this view. Yes. Like, yeah. You can't see it. We started really stressing transparency. Marissa was on a mission to return Yahoo to the position of leadership it had once held. The first step was developing a clear understanding of what was truly important. I think that the biggest thing is prioritization. And you have to have a really clear sense of priorities overall. And so for me, it was really my family first and Yahoo. And I had to accept that anything else that actually managed to squeeze itself in, coffee with a friend, getting to go to you know someone's surprise party up in San Francisco, if that happened, 
it was like a ticker tape parade, right? <laughs> because like most of those things, like there was just no room for them. Family and Yahoo took up all the space. You have to understand your overall responsibilities and how you want to prioritize them and understand that, you know, you can't do everything, but you've got to do the things that really matter to you. Marissa stayed at Yahoo for five years and helped build a new culture that listened to its employees and respected their opinions. But Marissa didn't just listen. She acted on her own ideas. It wasn't long before much larger companies began to take notice of the new Yahoo. After successfully negotiating the company's sale to Verizon, it was once again time for something new. This time, she was ready to take on the life of an entrepreneur. In 2017, Marissa started her own business, Lumi Labs. And, as with everything she does, the goals are lofty and the bar is high. For herself and for her team. Our main objective, which is the objective of a lot of startups, but we really do mean it, is to change the world. We want to affect the lives of our users in a positive and profound way. There's a lot of successful companies in the world, and then there's ones that really touch people's lives and change how people think and how they conduct their day-to-day lives. And, you know, we really hope that Lumi Labs does something like that. Whether it's pulling all-nighters, making tough decisions, or overcoming personal fears and struggles, Marissa's story is an example of what can be accomplished when you're willing to do whatever it takes. It will be hard, and Marissa would tell you that it rarely gets easier. But just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not worth it. Big ideas and huge responsibilities don't have to be paralyzing. Henry David Thoreau once said, success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. So how can you sacrifice and prioritize for the good of your business? What's the hard work you can do? What are the sacrifices you can make that might change everything? As Marissa's journey clearly demonstrates, only those who are willing to make sacrifices get to reap the rewards. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce Essentials for sponsoring the journey. Our team at The Mission uses Salesforce Essentials every day. Salesforce makes the leading CRM, and they created Salesforce Essentials especially for small businesses. It combines sales and service tools in a single app to help you win customers and build your business. It's affordable, it's made for small businesses just like yours, and it includes in-app tutorials so you never get lost. Try it for free today. Visit salesforce.com essentials to start your free trial, or click the link in our show notes. We love Salesforce Essentials and you will too. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.